the five knots on the fringes, we get 613. Now, that is a, a magic number. 613 is actually the mitzvot of the Torah. Tariyag mitzvot of the Torah. And when we say, in the, it says in Parashah, Ur itemoto uschartem et kol mitzvot Hashem. When you see this tzitzit, you know, you remember all the mitzvot of Hashem. Now, obviously, when you look at the tzitzit, you can't possibly get in your mind all the mitzvot, the 613 mitzvot, uh, just in one look. But what we do know is when you do look at it, it reminds you that it is, it reminds you that the, there are 613 mitzvot in the Torah. The, this forno, who wrote the beautiful parish on the Chumash, he says that the tzitzit is hotam ha'avdut shel Hashem. It's symbolic of us being servants to Hashem. It's like a, it's like a uniform of a soldier. When a soldier wears his uniform, it reminds him that he has certain responsibilities to uh, to, to the uh, to the army for and to, to the state. And the other thing is, as we know, a soldier when he is at war, uh, he they, when whenever. His captain or his uh, superior tells him to do. No questions asked. He has to do it, period. He tells him, go up that mountain, he goes up that mountain. Go shoot over there, he goes shoot over there. Our talit, as Sfono says, is symbolic of our uniform of being servants to Hashem, which means no questions asked. The 613 mitzvot, which I have to do them. No questions asked. This is one of the problems that happened with Korach. Korach rebelled. And he took people with him as part of the rebellion. But you see, the one thing he was mentioning was something about the tzitzit. He says, look, Kosna asked Moshe Rabbeinu, uh, publicly mocking uh, uh, the, the, the laws of the Torah. I mean, he knew very well what, what the rule is. But still he asked Moshe Rabbeinu, he says, you know what? What if I have a talit which is all completely made out of techelet? Now, techelet is a, a, a bluish kind of, uh, of wool. But does it need the, the tzitzit anyway? Does it need the fringes? And Moshe says, of course, needs the fringes. Anytime you have a big head with four corners, you need, you need, the, the, you need the fringes. So he starts mocking, look. If I have a big head, a garment, a four-corner garment of any other kind, all I need is, you know, the hut shel techelet, that, that, that thread of techelet, and it's kosher. This one is completely made. It's, all of it is a techelet. What do I need the fringes for? The problem is when you start asking questions, it means that you try to rationalize the mitzvot. We can't rationalize the mitzvot. 
The Hachamim have given ta'amim to the mitzvot. They are. You go into the Hinuch, you'll find several ta'amim. But the point is, we don't ask the questions. We are, the mitzvot are like the soldier who's whatever uh, uh, the, his captain tells him he does. Or like the Kohanim. In the Beit HaMikdash, they don't ask questions. Whatever has to be done is done perfectly and meticulously. This is one of the problems Korach had, trying to rationalize, make logic. No, Hashem says that you have to do a certain thing, you do it. Well, look, this is, the, this is what happened with Shaul HaMelech. Shaul HaMelech was a brick tamit hacham, was a great man. He had his own bedin, but he made a mistake. He somehow rationalized. What's, what's the logic that he had? Okay, Hashem told him, go eradicate Amalek, everyone, including the animals. But he left the nice animals, he left them. Why? Well, I figured, okay, he was, he was you know, he was uh, rationalizing. After all, I have nice, uh, uh, nice cattle over here. I want to use it as a uh, as korbanot for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But you don't do that. And for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but so what? You don't do that. You don't rationalize. Hashem said specifically through Shemuel, told him, go eradicate Amalek. You go ahead and you do that. Do you think we argue with the Mikoshesh Etzim? I mean, we agree. Do you think we agree with the Mikoshesh Etzim? There is a, an opinion that the Mikoshesh uh, Etzim, that is the man who is Mehalil Shabbat publicly, he was warned not to be Mehalil Shabbat, but he did anyway. And Mehalil Shabbat before Hasiyah Hayav Mita. Now, what happened to him? Well, there's some opinion that say he actually started, he rationalized. He said, you know what? B'nai Israel heard that a person who's mehalal shabbat farasiyah hayab mitah is to be executed. But he only heard it. You know what? I'm going to actually give myself as a korban. I'm going to be mehalal shabbat. And then they're going to execute him. And then the people will see, not just hear, but see that this kind of a sin deserves execution. So in other words, he was doing it the Shem Shamayim. Is that right? Of course not. When Hashem says, you do not be Mechanel Shabbat, you just don't. You don't try to be better than Hashem. You do as he says, perfectly. And and this is, again, what happened also with Adam Arishon. Now, there are some opinions that say Adam Arishon, he uses logic. How? Hashem told him, don't eat from the tree of knowledge. It's a dad, leave it alone. You can have anything you want, but not it's a dad. Don't touch that, um, don't, don't eat it. So what happened? When his wife, Chava, uh, incited him to eat, he made a hishbun. He made some kind of rationalization in his mind. 
He says, right now, all I have is Yisaratov. Adam Arishon, initially, all he had, he didn't have Yisarat. It was, so he said to himself, look, I'm no better than uh, the sun and the moon. The sun and the moon did their job every single day. You know, they, they have no, you know, they just go and do it, period. There's nothing to prevent them from not doing it. I have Yisaratov. Nothing's preventing me from doing it. But if I eat from the Etzadat, and I will have both the Yisaratov and the Yisarara, and then I'll be fighting the Yisarara, then I'm really doing a Kiddush Hashem. Now I'm showing it despite the fact that the Yisarara is beating at me, I'm going to do Kiddush Hashem. That was his logic. That's why he ate. But it's wrong. You don't rationalize these things. Once you start rationalizing, you fall into a hole. The Nazis in Mahshimah v'zichram, they rationalized. They said, you know what? We're going to make experiments. We're talking about uh, in medicine. And this is going to be great. It's going to be beneficial to mankind. But instead of taking animals to do their experiment, they took the Jews, human beings. Oh, it's for, it's for the benefit of mankind. They rationalized. Well, yeah, it doesn't matter. No, but then, I mean, that's, that's the main thing. So the benefit of mankind, what do you mean? You're taking a human being and you're actually doing experiments on the human being, causing him pain and suffering and death? We can't. You know, when, 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 when Hashem says, this is the mitzvot, you do the mitzvot. Korach did the same mistake. He used, he used his own logic. He thought, okay. So, oh, after all, you know, I want to be a Kohen Gadol. I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not fighting to, uh, uh, just for the, for the sake of fighting. I want to, I want to go into the Beit HaMikdash. I want to go on Yom Kippur, Lifnei Velifnim. I want to pray to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He just uses logic, but really, deep down, what he wanted was Kavod. To be going Gadol is Kavod. Logic. So perhaps we can uh, answer the original question when the Kala brings as a gift the Talit to her fiancé and we use it under the Chupa. Under the Chupa now, they're building a new home. So maybe the Kala is trying to say, you know, I'm doing something different than Chava. I'm sending you a talit, which is the opposite of using logic. The talit symbolizes a true evid, a true servant, so that in our new home, we'll behave like true servants of Hashem. The bride sends the talit to, to the groom to tell him, we are not going to be like Adam and Hava who use logic. We're going to build a home as per the seed which symbolizes Avdut, servants of Hashem, to do the mitzvot properly with no logic. 
just as Hashem told us to do. So perhaps that is uh, uh, one of the reasons. Now, the other thing is Korach. He used, as we said before, he used his logic. But really, deep down, it started with jealousy. Uh, like Rashi brings that uh, there were four brothers, right? Ubnei Kehat, Amram Vizhar, Hebron Uziah. There were four brothers who, who were the sons of Kehat, who was the Levi. So these brothers, they were grandsons of Levi. And Moshe Rabbeinu and Korach were first cousins. And they were both great-grandsons of Levi. So at least... Uh, uh, Korach is saying, look, I'm also somewhat qualified in the sense that, hey, I'm also belong to the Kohanim. But first, it started with being jealous of Elisafan bin Uziel. Elisafan was the, the Nasi, the, the, the leader of the Shevet Levi, and he Elisafan was the son of the fourth brother, the youngest brother of Kehat. She said, why should they appoint the youngest brother? I'm the son of the second brother. I'm the son of his son, who's older. So I should be the one appointed. That didn't happen. But besides that, he really wanted to be the Kohen Gadol. He wanted to replace Aaron Cohen. That's He was not kavod, and he, was, and he also jealous. He envied him. But what is his ta'ana? What, why, why was he better qualified than Aaron Cohen? I mean, he can't just say, look, get demote Aaron Cohen, put me in. He must have something in mind. After all, let's say, let's take Lehavdil, a case of a, a company where the president is about to uh, designate or appoint a vice president. And he had someone in mind. And someone else comes and says, Mr. President, I'm more qualified than him. Why, why do you intend to uh, promote uh, this fellow here? After all, well, he has uh, 10 years of experience. I have 20 years of experience. He has a college degree. I have a, I have a doctorate. Yeah? And, and so on and so forth. Uh, this, this man doesn't seem to be devoted to the company, but I am. So what is the Tahana of, Aaron, of, uh, of uh, Korach? After all, he did not have any Tahana against Moshe Rabbeinu. He didn't want the job of Moshe Rabbeinu because he realized Moshe Rabbeinu was very special. When Akadosh Baruch Hu the, uh, uh, said, pronounced, the Aserit Adibiro, the Ten Commandments, only Moshe Rabbeinu heard them all. The rest of the people are only the first two, including Aharon, also the first two. So Aharon is no better than me. I heard two, you heard two. On the other hand, Aharon Cohen was somewhat involved with the Egel. I wasn't. I have something above him. So in his mind, he was thinking about these things. And at the same time, he saw Beruach HaKodesh the Shalshelet, the offspring, one of the offsprings, Shemuel, Shemuel and Navi. 
And he said to himself, well, Shmuel Navi is going to be from me, obviously. He's not going to die. But he didn't realize that Shemuel came from his sons who made Teshuvah at the last minute. They made Teshuvah. And this is why in some communities, Sephardic communities, perhaps Ashkenazim too, we read a certain Mizmor uh, Tehillim uh, before blowing the Shofar, and some Sephardic communities, they read, they read it seven times. Now, what does the Bnei Korach have to do here? Korach, Bnei Korach, before blowing the shofar. What's the, what's, the, uh, uh, what's the reason for that? Well, we know that the shofar causes people to make teshuvah. So Bnei Korach made Teshuvah at the last minute. So we are reminding ourselves, just like the Bnei Korach at the last minute, they still had a chance to make Teshuvah and they were saved. We can also make Teshuvah and be saved. So this is, all these things want in the mind of Korach before he had this rebellion. But Rabotai telling us that what is a mahloket that is considered Shem Shamayim? So mahloket Hillel Vishamayim. And what is a mahloket that's not Lishem Shamayim? Mahloket Korah Bihol Adato. It was not Lishem Shamayim. But there's one little thing here. It says the mahloket Lishem Shamayim is Hillel and Shamayim. And Shinal Shem Shamayim should say Korach and Moshe Rabbeinu. It's Korach Bechol Adato. Korach and his own people. Why? Because even with his own people, there was division. Korach wanted something. He wanted to be Kohen Gadol. The 250 people they had within, they were Bechurim. They wanted to, 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 to go back to uh, the, the service like the Levim, supposed to. Uh, that replaced them. They, they were arguing why Yosef is getting the, the two portions. Menashe and Ephraim, it should be Reuben, who was the, uh, uh, the, 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 the Bechor, and the Datan Vavirah come from Reuben, and so on and so forth. In their own, between themselves, they had problems. It was not so, it was not so glad. Well, this is, this is Rabbutai, why we say this machloket was not l'shem shamayim. It was self-interest involved. And the other thing is, it says, kol machloket shehi l'shem shamayim sofah litkayim. Machloket, which is for the sake of, of, sake of heaven, sofah litkayim is going to endure. What does that mean? It's going to endure. I mean that the machloket is going to stay forever? We don't want that. What does that mean? Sofalit kayem. Sofalit kayem means because there is no self-interest. Everything is there only to uncover the truth. The emetla amito, like Hillel and Shammai. That, that mahloket is still, to this day, we still learn both of them. 
Bet Hillel says so and so, Bet Shammai says so and so, even to this day. Why? Because they were, they were not, they were fighting for kavod, they were fighting for, find out what the truth is. I learned from my, from my rabbi this, I learned from rabbi this. And each one has his own opinion, but they were not fighting in order to, to have a, a, a higher position. They had a mahluket only l'shem shamayim. And that mahluket stays because we learn both of them at all times. But Rabotai, we mentioned several times about this idea of jealousy. Korach wanted to be the Kohen Gadol. That's, this is bad. Jealousy, he had kavod. He also had ta'ava for kavod. All three of them. Kinah, yeah. ta'ava, and kavod. All three uh, bad traits were involved in one, they were, in, in one person. You know, they tell a little story about a peddler. This little peddler who, uh, you know what a peddler is. He you know, has a cart and he buys little things, you know, gadgets here and there. And he goes uh, from, from, uh, from street to street, try to uh, sell whatever he has. And then all of a sudden, another peddler comes in and it's like he's giving him competition. He felt very bad. And one day, the king, who many times he would disguise himself and go around trying to figure out and find out what the people think of him. The king disguised himself. He came to that town. And lo and behold, he knocks at the house of this peddler. He takes him in. He didn't know it was the, the king, but he gave him a kavod. He gave him supper. He gave him a place to sleep and everything else. And talked to him and so on. Made him feel comfortable. The king was very happy. So the next morning, before they parted, the king said, you know what? Why don't you come and, and uh, to the palace and visit? Here's a card. They'll let you in. Show them their card, they'll, go to, they'll let you into the palace. Okay, a week later, he goes, he shows the card, they let him in. He walks in, he sees, oh, wow. It's the king, that's the one that he actually, he himself took him in as a guest. As a guest. So the king says to him, look, I'm really very appreciative of what you did for me. I would like to reward you. What would you like? And uh, he was hesitating. He says, okay, well, I mean, uh, do you want money? Do you want land? What do you want? So finally he says, please, your majesty, Make sure that the peddler who just came into my town never gets into the town again. Rabotai, this guy could have had millions. You could have whatever you wanted. You could have a piece, a huge piece of land. All he's thinking about is jealous of that peddler that came to give him competition. That's all. Korach was a bad man. So you say, why is the Torah writing about a bad people? Because the Torah wants us to learn both the good midot and the bad midot. The Torah wants to tell us, here's the good midot like Abraham, Isaac, and Yaakov. How they behaved, we'll learn from them. And this is 
Korach here, he has a bad mitot. We also learn not to do those things. And this is why, according to Ramban anyway, why do we have the whole Sefer Bereshit altogether? Sefer Bereshit doesn't have a, there's hardly any mitzvot there, a couple of, two, three mitzvot, right? He said, because the midot, Bereshit comes before Matan, Kabbalat Torah, would the midot come before Kabbalat Torah? We have to improve ourselves in our midot in order to be able to learn the Torah properly. That's why we have Pirkei Avot during the six weeks between Pesach and Shavuot before Kabbalat Torah. We improve ourselves in our, our trait, our character, so that we can be Mekabel the Torah. It's like the midot are prerequisite of Kabbalat Torah. If we learn from our Avotenu Akdushim, we learn from our leaders, the great leaders that we had, we learn the proper midot, we'll be able to excel and be Gedolei uh, Ador uh, Israel. Amen. Rabbi we mentioned to you again that uh, about this great station, uh, I, I, I uh, uh, fully support the station and uh, anyone that can afford to contribute, please do so. And as you know, we have a, a beautifully renovated social hall downstairs by us in the shul. Uh, please come and visit. And if you have any simcha, call us. We'll be able to accommodate you. Shavua tov. Tiskula mitzvot. 